to do that. But we're going to jump right into the text. There is no special laugh joke opener or anything like that. We're going to jump into the Word of God this morning. John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. You can turn there, verse 23 through 25. Okay, John chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. So let me read this to you, and then we're going to unpack what it you know, what it is and what it means today to go all in for Jesus and why, most importantly, we want you to go all in for the Lord. All right, here's what it says. John writes this in John chapter 2. He says, Now while he, that being Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. They believed in his name. So if you have your Bible, if you want to kind of go a little bit deeper and write in your Bible, you could circle that word believe. That's really important. They believed in his name. And then in verse 24, it says, but Jesus would not entrust. You can circle that word entrust. So Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. Then it says he did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. So they chose to place their confidence in him, that is Jesus. However, it says that Jesus would not entrust himself to them. What's interesting about these words believe and entrust is it's the same Greek word pasteo. And pasteo means simply to place your confidence in or to place trust into something. So in one sense, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know you place your confidence in me, but I cannot place my full confidence in you. Because I know what's going on inside of your heart. It's a really powerful statement that Jesus is saying here. And I want you to grasp what Jesus is actually teaching in this moment. Yeah, you might put your trust in me. You might believe in me. You might call on my name. But that doesn't necessarily mean you really know who I am. Jesus actually is saying, I treat all of my followers differently. Not every single follower of Jesus gets the revelation the same of who I am. Not everyone knows me the same degree. The reality is just because you're a follower of Jesus or a believer in Christ doesn't mean that you understand the fullness of God. He's saying, he's simply saying, catch this, just understand what Jesus is saying. I treat each of my followers in a, I shouldn't say treat, but I relate to them differently. Relate would be the appropriate word. Jesus relates to his followers differently and uniquely. Why is that important? Well, you may have thought, uh, you know, how many of you guys believe, just raise your hand, you can participate online if you're watching too, but how many believe that, you know, when you get Jesus, uh, you, you get saved, you give your life to the Lord, you check off a box, you, you know, raise your hand, or however that may have worked out for you, you get all of Jesus. You get the Holy Ghost, you get the Spirit of God, you get the God the Father, you get the Son, you, like, you get all of them. How many of you guys believe that that's true? It's not a trick question. I love how people look around the room like, what are you going to put up? Are you going to, yes, no, I don't know. Okay, most of the room would say, yeah, yeah, you, you get all of that. And that would be true. That would be true because you can't really separate the Trinity. You can't like, well, I get God without the Son because they're all three in one. So you do, you get all three. But here's what's also true. You don't get revelation of all of him. You get him, you get the access to him, you get the salvation, you get justification, but that doesn't mean you get the full revelation of who God is. That would be like saying the moment you gave your life to Jesus, now all of a sudden you know everything about him. That's not true at all. You have to grow in your relationship with him and to know him and to grow in that knowledge of him. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you believe in my name, but you don't fully understand who I am 
There's a great commentator who reflected on this passage, and I'll read you uh, his commentary from this. That is his kind of view of this passage, okay? So this is his view of it. This is kind of what he takes from it, and I'll read it straightforward. Here's what he says. Jesus knew that there were many who were attracted only on the sensational things that Jesus did. He knew that there were none who really understood the way that he had chosen. He knew there were many who would have followed him while he continued to produce miracles and wonders and signs, but who, if he had begun to talk to them about service and self-denial, if he had begun to talk to them about self-surrender to the will of God, if he had begun to talk to them about the cross and about carrying a cross, would have stared at him with blank incomprehension and left him on the spot. It's a great characteristic of Jesus that he did not want followers unless they clearly knew and definitely accepted what was involved in following him. He refused, in the modern phrase, to cash in on moments' popularity. If he had entrusted himself to the mob in Jerusalem, that is the audience to which he's talking to, they would have declared him Messiah there and then and would have waited for the kind of material action they expected the Messiah to take. But Jesus was a leader who refused to ask men ever to accept him until they understood what accepting him really meant. One of my greatest concerns in our churches today is that many people have accepted Christ without really ever understanding exactly what they're accepting. I think it's a great tragedy that happens often in churches around the world or environments accepting Christ, having no real understanding of what in the world they're accepting. Jesus never invited somebody to follow him without first making them count the cost. But Jesus would tell his disciples, if you want to follow me, and they would say, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be like you. And he would say, I have no place to my, my head at night. I don't have a lot of uh, palaces to sleep in. This is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. You go back into the Old Testament. We talked about that in this series earlier where you have Elisha, in other words, being called into a relationship with God. He, God he's anointed as a prophet. And he's got to burn his previous job behind him. He's got to let everything go. Constantly, constantly, you see people having to surrender and then find the Lord. And it says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to surrender your whole life to me. In other words, it's like count the cost of this thing. I want you to understand what you're accepting. Now, Jesus is not saying you have to have a theology degree. Listen, the first step to following Jesus is always faith. No one rarely jumps into understanding everything about God, if you would, and then coming into faith. That's not what I'm suggesting. But what Jesus is saying is simple. Hey, if you're going to follow me, I want you to understand what this is going to cost you. I want you to understand that this is going to be a heavy load. This isn't always going to be easy. easy. That makes sense? He never did that unless they really understood what it meant to accept him. And it says, he, the commentator continues on, he insisted that a man should know what he's doing. Jesus knew human nature. He knew the fickleness and instability of the heart of a man. He knew that a man can be swept away in a moment of emotion and then back out when he discovers, he backs out when he discovers what the decision really meant. I, I served in youth ministry for eight years and watched this happen, just emotional decisions being made for the Lord all the time. And then weeks, months later or years later, time later, it was like there was no decision ever made in their life. They have no knowledge of who God is at all. And it was an emotional decision in the moment. We are so good at creating emotional moments. 
All we got to do is put a synth pad on a keyboard. It's an amazing thing. You put music on, oh, Jesus, you know, and creating emotional moments for people. People make decisions within a moment without really understanding the decision that they're actually making. And I'm not negating music. Music is important. I'm not saying that music is not important. I'm not saying emotions are not part of who we are because they are. God uses emotions, and He is an emotional God, and we are emotional people. Amen? And even the men are emotional. Come on. You, you've cried at movies. Rudy, come on, somebody. You did. <laughs> Rudy, lift, lift it up. You know. Old Yeller. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You cried at Old Yeller? Yeah. All right. Everybody, I'm telling you, see? You cry at Old Yeller, I cry at Rudy. But um, we're emotional, you know? So I'm not saying we shouldn't have emotions, but let's not make decisions based off emotions solely when it comes to following Jesus, what Jesus is saying. He's like, I cannot entrust myself fully to you. In other words, I cannot reveal myself fully to you. I'm going to wrap this up. He says, he knew how human nature hungers for sensations, and he wanted not a crowd of men cheering they knew not what, but a small company who knew what they were doing and who were prepared to follow to the end. I'll share this with you. Uh, one of the things I was, uh, this is probably a couple of months ago. This is not in my notes. A couple months ago, um, well, maybe it's a year ago, maybe longer than that, something like that. And I was praying to the Lord, just, just praying about the church, praying about things. And I felt like God said to me, he said, Ricky, just because there's a large crowd doesn't mean they're all my followers. And it just was a, a reminder. He said, not everyone. This is what the Lord told me. And it's biblical. It makes sense. It wasn't like I got a revelation that no one else has heard. It's just he was just reminding me of what's already in his word. He said, just, this is his exact words, just because they follow me doesn't mean they're really following me. Ricky, I too had a large crowd, but they were not all my followers. And he was showing some things to me about his church, not picking out churches. He was just showing to me the things about his church, that there's a lot of people who follow him, say they follow him, but they really aren't following him. I think it's a great tragedy in our world today that happens. Jesus, know this, did not relate to all believers the same way. Jesus did not disciple those who were not ready to be fully committed to be discipled. So here's what I want you to know. Here's kind of a whole walk away. It's like the bottom line of the talk. It's really simple understanding what I want you to grasp today. The reason we want you to go all in, what this whole series has been about, is because the degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you is dependent on the degree you give yourself to him. The degree of which you, Jesus reveals himself to you is really dependent on the degree of which you give yourself to him. Okay? You might say, well, what does that mean? Let me help you this way. Have you ever been in, in, a, in a relationship and heard someone say this? And in and, and the first service, it looked like the men were the ones who used it the most. I'm curious to see if there's any ladies in here who's ever said this to something. And by the way, if you've ever said this statement to somebody, just don't, don't ever say this statement again. If you're about to end a relationship with somebody, don't, don't make this statement. Some of you already know this statement I'm talking about. You've probably heard this statement before, and you can probably finish it. You know where I'm headed, okay? If you don't know where I'm headed, maybe you're one of the lucky people on the planet, and you've never had someone tell you this when they were breaking up with you in high school. But this is that statement. You know the statement. Come on. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> How many of you ever said that to somebody when you're breaking up with them? It's not you, it's me. What's funny is we got a married couple right here. <laughs> now, that would be a funny day. If like, well, this is not you, it's me. No, it's you, it's me. <laughs> that would be interesting. Hopefully you didn't say it to one another at some point. <laughs> Obviously not, yeah. It's not you, it's me. 
Man, that's my, anybody else over here ever say that to somebody? You ever said to somebody, it's not you, it's me, you pulled that? Have you ever been told that? You were told that by somebody you love, it's not you, it's me, yeah. What a terrible statement, right? How, thank you, I appreciate that, that really helps. What does it mean anyways? It's not you, it's me. Anyways, you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying this, it's not me, it's you. When Jesus is with this, ouch, when Jesus in, I heard, I heard out. In John 2, when he says, you believe in me, but I cannot entrust myself. Listen, he could not entrust himself to them. Why? He's saying, it is not me, it's you. Because I know what's in your heart. So what's getting in the way? Glad you asked. Let's unpack this. Why is this happening that Jesus says, I can't trust myself to you? Well, all it comes down to revelation. It comes down to this truth that the degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you is dependent on the degree of which you give yourself to him. You can't fully give yourself to me, then I cannot fully give myself to you. It's not that I don't want to. I can't. I cannot reveal to you all of who I am unless you first give all of yourself to me. So it's you. It's not me. Now try that out next time you break up with somebody. Hey, it's all you. That's what's true. It's not me. It's you. I mean, that's really more honest, probably what you were thinking anyways, if you ever told somebody that, right? Okay. Jesus is honest. See? He's truthful. Here's what is true about this statement that I just read to you, okay? I'm going to give you two uh, words here about Revelation, okay? The first reason this is actually true, now this is the teaching on it, okay? This is the first reason this is true, is what's called general revelation, all right? And most of you or some of you probably heard of this before and you get it, all right? But this is why this is actually true that the degree of which, what I'm trying to show you here, is the degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you is dependent on the degree of which you give yourself to him. The reason that's true, one of the reasons, is revealed here, general revelation. What do I mean by general revelation? All right, we get this term from Romans chapter 1. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although, now look at the same thing that happened in John 2, for although they knew God, that's the Greek word for genosko. So they knew God, they understood God, they knew that there is a higher power, they knew there's something there. They knew God, specifically in this context, he's talking to general revelation. Although they're acknowledging there is something of a higher power who's creating the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the oceans, the seas, the animals, and all the things, they're understanding there is a higher power. Although they knew God, the problem was they didn't glorify him or give him thanks. In other words, there was no context of relationship. There wasn't a real understanding of who God was. They're aware there's something there, but they didn't really know Him, know Him, know Him, because they didn't give Him glory, and they didn't give Him thanks for it. It says, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul is simply writing, he's saying, God revealed Himself to humanity through creation, and He did. And God has revealed Himself to humanity. That's general revelation. He revealed Himself to humanity through creation. So what happened? Sin. Once sin occurs, all of a sudden, the minds are blocked. We can't see God. In other words, we don't step outside and we see the ocean and say, man, look what God has created. You don't say that until you come to know God. Most people don't walk outside, see the mountains in uh, Everest or Colorado or wherever you may travel and see mountains and see beautiful views or think about birds in the sky or animals at the zoo or wherever you may see things of all creation in the world and go, man, look how wonderful God is. 
Most people, I've never, I've personally never met a person who did that without, who first didn't know God. Point is, general revelation isn't enough because of sin. Sin gets in the way. That's why babies don't rise up and say, look at the sun, it's Jesus. Unless you have a child who's just anointed by God himself at a young age, he's not going to sit there and praise and say, look what the Lord has done, these wonderful stars, if he's never understood the name Jesus. Why is that? Sin. Sin gets in the way. It does not allow you to come to know the fullness of God. That would just be general revelation. We cannot know God just solely by the creation of the world. Not fully. Which is why God in His grace did something miraculous. It's called special revelation. He decides to send down His Son Christ. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 1. This is where we get this terminology from. Okay? It says, In this past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Just saying that God has spoken in, through a variety of people. Now watch what He says. But in the last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In other words, He has revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. So what is God saying? What is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying, listen, God has revealed Himself not only to the world through creation, although He has, but He's also gone beyond that and has revealed Himself to you through His Son, Jesus. That's why God, who left heaven, became a man in the flesh to reveal Himself to humanity so that you could come to fully know who He is. And then He would put sin on the cross for you. Why? So that you could get all the revelation of God that God wants to reveal to you and that you want to know Him. And He would open up this access, this veil was torn, and you could come to know who God really is, that you could have the understanding of who Christ is. Well, John also would write in John chapter 1 that the Word became flesh, and the flesh was the Word. And it's this idea that Jesus is the Word of God, or the Word of God is Jesus. So in other words, whenever you pick up your Bible, you can become to know who God is through the Word of God. And look what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and speaking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that, that's the reason, that the servant of God, that be you or me or anyone who wants to follow Jesus, the servant of God, may be thoroughly equipped. Those are two words, very important, thoroughly equipped. That means they're sufficient in equipping. There is no lacking in its availability to equip you for the works of God, equipped for every good work. Not just work, but good work. That is spiritual work that God calls you to. The Scripture, I want you to know this, is sufficient when it comes to knowing God. So you have general revelation, you have special revelation, which is Christ, you have the general, which is all the creation, but then he says, I'm going to reveal myself through the Word of God, through the words of my Son, through the words that I've written down for you, that you would come to know me, and they're sufficient to know me. So God's revelation of Himself ultimately comes from, guess who? Himself. One can only find out who God really is from who? God Himself. If you want to get to know the real Jesus, guess who you have to talk to? Jesus. What is God pointing people to? He's saying, listen, don't just take man's word for it. Don't just go outside and see the general revelation. Hey, all those things can help and support, but I am going to not only send my son, I'm going to put it on writing so that you can come to know me anytime you want to come to know me. 
That's why it's so important to read your Bible. That's why it's so important. And for these followers in John chapter 2, this crowd of people following him, what he is saying is, you have not fully given yourself to me, so I cannot fully give myself to you. Let me put that in modern terms. Let's say you have two people, just to give the example. Let's say you have two people, they sit down in the same service, in a church service, a typical kind of scenario, and they check off a box on a connection card or something like that. They raise their hand, give their life to Jesus, and both genuinely want to follow Jesus. They want to. They want to go to heaven. They, they heard about hell. They're like, I don't even want to go to hell. No, heaven sounds better. Sounds good. Let's do it. And they just follow in faith, and, they, and they're just trying to do the right thing. And it, it, You got me? This is the story. Okay, so they, maybe they both get baptized. They take the next step. They sign up for baptism. They do some baptism. Okay, that's good. They thought, okay, woo, I'm saved. But one of the individuals never reads their Bible. One, they don't show up to church spottingly. They don't get involved in any way. They don't pursue growth in their relationship with God much. But certainly you could say maybe they're saved. They're justified before the Lord. Some could debate that. Some might say, yeah, that's true. Let's just say, yeah, they're justified by God's grace alone. They're saved by grace through faith, and they understand that. But they never really take any steps to grow in their knowledge of who God is. On the flip side, the other person, they go out, rush out, buy a Bible. They start to read the Bible all the time. They start to grow in the Word of God. They get involved in different types of classes or environments in which they can grow in their faith. They share their giftings. They hear stories from other individuals. They seek God, let's say, even you know, daily maybe. I mean, maybe they really de devote themselves to the Lord. Sometimes they spend a couple of hours in prayer when they're able to. I mean, they really engage, and they do this year after year. after. They just stay faithful and committed. Which one is going to have more knowledge of who God is? It's obvious the person who puts more into the relationship. It's just, it's like this relationship. He's like, hey, I can't entrust myself to you. I cannot reveal myself fully to you because you haven't fully you given yourself to me. So you see, it's not really me, it's you. So if you've ever talked to a person who feels like I'm declining spiritually, I feel like I'm not really growing in my relationship with God, if you've ever been in church, you've heard this terminology for a while, if you've heard someone say it, maybe some of you have said it, I don't want to feel like I'm growing, I just kind of feel stagnant, I just feel like I'm just kind of like, really don't know God. One of my first questions that I'll ask people is that, how's your personal time with Jesus? Normally one of the first things people want to do is blame their church attending. Come on. Okay, so you missed that, because one of the first things people tend to do is when they start to feel like they're not growing is they'll blame the church they're attending. Did you hear me? That's, see, I, I'm glad I got at least one. Mm. Okay, because it's true, but what, what's true is, true is, it's not, I'm going to say that the next time somebody says they're not growing, I'm just going to say, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> I just freed myself. Okay, will somebody write that down for me to remember the next time? Okay. The point is, what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, if you want more of me, then give me more of you. If you give me more of you, I'll give you more of me. And it's amazing because you'll never, ever, 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 ever in your lifetime come to know God fully. That is to say, you know everything about Him. You know the way that He thinks. You know what He's going to say before He says it. Listen, that day will never come for you. Because if that were to ever come, guess who you would then become? God. And you will never be God. So just nudge him and tell him now next to you. Set him free and say, you will never be God. Or tell her, you are not God. Go ahead. Try it. I know some of you men really want to do that right now. Like, it's okay. I'm telling you. Just tell her, you're not God. Doesn't it feel good? Who, who was daring enough to do that? 
There was, I feel in my spirit there was a man in this room who was not free, and he just, oh, I want to, but I'm afraid. <laughs> if I say that, what, what kind of consequences is that going to mean for me later? Just tell her she's not God. You will never be God. And leave it at that. I'm saying that right now to my wife on the screen. You are not God. Amen. I'm scared. <laughs> I feel that's how I feel. I know. It's it's weird, I know. Amen. The point is, you'll never fully know God. You always got to keep growing and learning in your faith. Listen to me. The degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you is dependent on the degree of which you give yourself to him. And I want to tell you something. If you've been in church your whole life, you could serve the Lord your whole life, be in serve, serve in church, be pastor, it don't matter. There is never going to be a day that you come to know God enough. It's a constant surrender. We talked about this in the series again and again and again. And with each passing day, you come to know God better. I remember one of the things I told a senior pastor that planted us out here, Joel was my boss at the time, and I was like, man, I feel like as I read more, it's like the less I know. And it was one of the things he told me. It's always stuck with me. He said, Ricky, it's absolutely true. The more you read your Bible, the more you'll find out how little you actually know. That's why when people come to me saying, oh, yeah, I got a degree and I know this thing, I'm like, you don't know nothing then. Because the more you read it, the more you realize, I know so little about who God is. It's, it's a beautiful journey. We can learn to discover who Christ is throughout our lifetime here on earth. And you won't know the fullness of God until you see his face. And then even then, you won't be able to look at him. Amen. So the degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you is dependent on the degree we give ourselves to him. If that is true, which I believe I've just shown you how biblically it is, it's true, then the only way to live is all in. What other way is there? What other way would you want to live by just going half-hearted? If you go half-hearted with the Lord, it's not that he's saying, well, I'm going to go half-hearted with you. He, he, hear him say, I can't go any further than you allow me. So I'm, I'm allowing you to, to, to determine the level of this relationship. So if you want to go all in with me, I will absolutely entrust myself to you. And no doubt, Jesus entrusted himself to his followers, the disciples, those who were surrounding him, willing to give their life for him. But he couldn't do it to everybody. Why? Because he knew what was in their hearts. They had not fully given themselves to him. So I want to spend the next few minutes just talking to you about how we go about it brave, creating space for you to do that, to do what? To know God better, all right? I want to spend these last 10 minutes with you on just telling you how we go about accomplishing this at Brave. I believe every pastor's job ultimately comes down in three words. This is my personal view of it in a, in a way. I, I heard it once and thought, I think that's true, is to love, feed, and lead. And so part of me wants to love you and feed you God's word and teach you God's word. Then part of me says, yeah, but also I've got to lead as well. I want to make sure that we're leading you and that you understand what our church is and what our church is about, what we're trying to do. So I just wanted to kind of take these few moments in this series all in to kind of reveal to you how we go about doing this, how we go about creating space for you ultimately to come to know God better. That would be the best way to say it, so that you could get more revelation of who God is, so that you could grow in your knowledge of God, that you would grow in your relationship with God and become full and mature to the measure of Christ until he completes all the good works that he wants to do through you and in you. Amen? Like, that's what we want for you. 
So how do we go about accomplishing that at Brave? Like, what does that even look like practically? I get you, Ricky. It makes sense what you're saying. The the level of which, uh, you know, I come to know Christ is the level which I give myself to Christ. But now, like, what's my step? Like, what do I do now with this? Well, let me just walk you through a little bit about Brave. First of all, it starts with our purpose statement, okay? And it, we'll put it up on the screen. You can just read it, but this is our purpose statement. We just simply say that we're uh, existing, or we, uh, some call it mission or vision statement. We say we exist, or, you know, it's a different way of saying it, to equip a community of people to know God better and make them known by the way they live. After several years, we've wrestled with this statement, but it's always been around the same theology. And I want to show you, just so you know, we actually picked up the Bible, and we got this statement from the Bible, just so you know. The word equip comes from Ephesians chapter 4, which I went over in this series. That is to prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers, right, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, all right? So we want to equip people. And then we use the word community because that's the Greek word ekklesia for church, right? It's the gathering of the people to equip a community of people to know God better. The reason we put the word better in there is because we wanted everyone to know. It doesn't matter how long you've known God or served God. We want you to know God better, and you will always have the availability to know God better. You always are at a place. You're like, I'm mature in my faith. I love it when people say that, when they say, well, I, I'm a mature believer, and I typically understand what they mean when they're saying I'm a mature believer, and there's no doubt there is a state of level of maturity, but never to the point that you're done growing, right? So we want to continue to know God better, know God better, and ultimately make Him known by the way we live. Now, just see the revelation I just taught you about this. We don't really reveal God through creation. God did that himself. We didn't reveal God through Jesus. God did that through his son, and he did it through his word. But we can reveal God by the way we live our life. That is to say, when somebody sees us living our life, we want people in a church and a gathering, our hope, our goal for you is that when people see you walking in life, they see a life like Jesus. Now, in in New Testament terminology, they'd call you a Christian. That's what they would, they would have called you a Christanos. they say, look at that Christanos. It was a derogatory statement. The first word Christian was not a nice word. It was actually a word that would have been kind of like putting you down, like making fun of you. <laughs> look at those little Christanos over there, people trying to be like Christ. Well, for us, we want you to live that way, to live like a Christ follower, to be a person like Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus. Disciple in Hebrew means Talmud. I've talked about this before. A Talmud was not just a person who wanted to, who liked to just be around Jesus. They were a person who was so dedicated to be like their rabbi. I mean, they wanted to learn how he walked, learn how he talked, like learn how he ate and how he prayed. And if you know Notice what the disciples said when Jesus was praying was like, how are you doing that? They've been praying most of their life, but what are you doing? Like, how are you praying? They were always in up his business, up in his grill, trying to learn stuff about him. I don't know why I said grill, but that's what I would have said in modern vernacular. But they were just, you know, it's just like learning about him. This is what we want for you. We want you to, to learn to live like Jesus in your life. And it's a lifelong process. That's why we say, brave, we want you to know God, make Him known. It's like the short phrase of saying the same statement to equip a community of people to know God better and make Him known by the way they live. That's what we're trying to accomplish. That's what we want for you. That's what we want for all of our children upstairs learning. We want that for all of you watching online. That's what we want. So we're not going to stop. We're always going to be pushing you to grow and, and know God more and more and more. Why? Because the degree of which you give yourself to Jesus is the same degree that Jesus can reveal Himself to you. And we want you to have the full revelation of God that all that He can expose to you while you're here on this earth. 
Amen. All right, so we do this, we accomplish this in five ways. These are just kind of just general terms that we use and kind of statements that we say, and I'll walk through a few of these, okay? The first one, Sunday gatherings. That's just a real simple one. That's what this is all about. That's what upstairs in all of our kids' classrooms are all about. That's why we're offering all this online. Sunday gatherings is a time that we get to come together, grow together, uh, participate and worship with one another. There's lots of great benefits to that, all right? So Sunday gatherings, that's one of the ways that we do it. Another way, community groups. Community groups. Just take a guess why community groups exist. For community. That was the staff. You cheated because you knew that answer already. <laughs> but you, but I'm worried the rest didn't know that. Okay. Community groups. All right. We want you to be part of a community. Right? Acts chapter 2, when the church was launched, it says they came together and they shared everything that they had in common. One of the Greek words is used that's often taught on is the word koinonia. Koinonia was like an intimate relationship. I call it refrigerator rights. You've heard me say this before. Refrigerator rights, some of you are wondering what in the world was refrigerator rights. It was a statement I said in the middle of a message, and it's just kind of stuck with our church, and I've heard it from some of you so many times, like, refrigerator rights? It's just amazing how I teach so many different things, and you remember refrigerator rights. But anyways... Whatever makes it work, right? So refrigerator rights are like the people that can come into your life and like jump right into your refrigerator and just grab something to eat. Just, just here's how you'll know if you have refrigerator rights. Go into your neighbor's house today, open the refrigerator, and just start eating something and see if they look at you weird. If they do, you don't have refrigerator rights. You're not close enough, okay? But I got refrigerator rights, uh, refrigerator rights at my in-law's house, okay? Well, we're living there currently, but even before then, I am that son-in-law who walked in like, boom, what's free? What can I have? You know, like, it's all mine. We're family now. And I, I, I did. I, I'm not ashamed. I'll go in and get their chips. I'll take the last chip bag or something, you know, the last bottle of water. It's mine. I got refrigerator rights. I'm family. Welcome me in. That's how I kind of came into that family. Amen. Okay, well, I'm not in your family, but, but that's my, if my family was here, they'd say amen. They're welcome. Amen. So, that means they agree. That's what I did. That's all amen means, agree. So, let it be so. All right, so community groups. We want you to be part of a community group because we want you to have friends. How many of you guys want friends? It's always me. <laughs> I saw somebody do this just now. One, I'll take one. You got one, I'll take one. Come on, we want you to have friends, amen? We want, Jesus wants you to live in the community, your community of yourself, mind, right? Your soul and your heart. I mean, even Jesus is community of himself. That's why he said, love me with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Your community of yourself, so is Christ. So community, we want you to be part of a community, to get to know friends. And we say connect relationally and grow spiritually. We want you to do those things within a community group. That's what community groups are all about. Three is equip classes. This is another way that we go about helping you discover who Christ is. The degree of which you give yourself to Jesus is the degree of which Jesus reveals himself to you, right? Equip classes. This is something that we're going to continue to roll out. We haven't rolled out yet, but one is coming soon in February. I'll talk about that in just a second. But equip classes, really excited about. These are just different opportunities for you to grow in your faith. And we're going to have a variety of different types of little classes. And the best part is they're not always going to be a, a year long, like our groups go on uh, indefinitely, essentially, but our group leaders, they go on for about a year, and then there could be a reset there, but our groups are a, a larger commitment for sure. 
but equip classes will be uh, little spurts that could be uh, just a few hours long. They could be just a weekend long. They could be just a few weeks long, depending on the topic or the scenario. I'm not going to be the only one teaching our equip classes, not just our staff, but old, uh, other leaders as well will be teaching different equip classes. I was just talking with the family outside today, and they were talking about finances. And I said, yeah, we're going to be doing a finance equip class soon. And we've done that before in, in the context of a group. But these are going to be a difference of ways for the body of Christ to grow. Uh, I offered this earlier to our first service, but Andrews is going to be teaching uh, all of you how to sing. If you want to know how to sing, he's going to be giving you voice lessons. And that was came from his recommendation. I don't know why. I felt like I'm on the front row and I'm a good singer, so I'm not quite sure why he's like, you should be the first to sign up. But, you know, the point is we want to equip you, whether it be ways of singing, this is serious, ways of singing, learning photography, learning uh, the book of James. We might say, hey, we're going to do an equip class on the book of James as the Holy Spirit leads us. So if you want to learn the book of James, come take this, you know, one week equip class and it's going to be all in the book of James. So really excited about the flexibility that this kind of uh, umbrella, if you would, offers us as a church. All right. So we're going to talk about that. And by the way, the one that we're going to do uh, this February, I don't have a date yet. It's going to be on marriages. It's called Marriage XO. So if you want to be a part of this equip class on marriages, and here's who this is for anyone. If you're about to get married, want to get married, or are currently married, or used to be married, this is for you, okay? So you can be a part of this. Here's what I'm saying. If the Holy Spirit is nudging you saying, I've got to pour into our marriage, then sign up for this. How do you do that? Go online on our website. There's a connect card and just put marriage XO. If you're here in person, take the connect card, write marriage XO, your name and your email on it, and we'll give you more information. It's going to happen in February. And the best part is you're going to be able to do it from the own comfort of your own couch, right there next to your spouse or alone on your couch, wherever you are. You'll be able to do it all by yourself if you want to. But we'll talk to you more instructions about that as it comes. I'm not giving you a date and time yet, so you can't say, oh, I'm busy that day. I'm talking about if you're available at any point in the month of February, okay, check your calendar. I promise you, there you got a block of time somewhere in February, and you want to pour into your marriage, and we're going to take our first equipped class on marriage, okay? So just let us know. You can sign, us up on, sign up on your connection card. Let us know, and then we'll get back to you. We'll give you more information about that in the coming weeks, all right? That's equipped classes. Then we have Brave Track. We've done this for a number of years. It was called Next Move. Then it was called Brave Track. And this is basically just a spiritual growth track to help you discover your purpose, find out what your spiritual giftings are, and ultimately it's a kind of a, a track towards leadership, helping you discover your calling in life and your ministry in life that we can equip you to fulfill the ministry that God's called you to. That's what Brave Track is all about. But don't worry about that right now. We'll talk more about that in the coming months. We've been doing this for years. We're going to walk everyone through that soon. We've revamped it a little bit, but we're going to walk everyone in the church through that in the next couple of months, most likely around May or June. I'm going to walk everybody through Brave Track. All right, and then the fifth one is REACH Projects. This is something that I personally have said I don't think we've done, a, done an incredible job with. Our church has given out thousands. We've given out thousands and thousands of dollars over the course of the year, and I celebrate that with you all the time. All of our compassion offering, I think we raised right around 25000 this year, and all of that dollars goes outside. We give all of that away. But the point is, is that we want to get our hands dirty, amen? We want to kind of get involved within our community. And so if you're interested in being a part of mission projects and things like that, REACH projects will be the thing for you. So when we talk about these five things, all I'm trying to do now, I'm not asking you to sign up for anything today outside of that marriage thing, but I'm not asking you to sign up for anything today. I'm just saying when these things come available to you, those five things come available to you, just know we're just creating space, creating atmosphere and direction and leadership and guidance 
so that you ultimately can come to discover who God is in your life, so that you would come to know Him better and better and better, so that He would be able to fully entrust Himself to you, that is, to fully reveal Himself to you so that you would know the real Jesus. That's what we're trying to accomplish, amen? And that's how we go about doing it. And I just wanted you to see we have a practical kind of a plan and a way to do that. But ultimately, none of these plans supersede the Word of God. The best thing you can do to come to know Christ your Savior, to know Him as Jesus, is just to open your Bible. That is literally the only thing you really do. It is sufficient in of itself for you to come to know the fullness of Christ, the Word of God. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Father, today we make decisions to give ourselves to you. And of course, I want to invite some of you in this room to give your life to Jesus today. Why wouldn't I? I've just preached a message on showing you how my heart is that you would go all in for the Lord. And so wherever you are today, watching online or here in this room, just make a decision today. And there's some of you truly maybe who you've given your life. This is not about justification. You're saved. But maybe you've not given your full self to Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be just a fear thing. It could be a serving thing. It could be whatever it may be but you haven't given your full self to him. I want to invite you to go all in. How do I do that? You just tell him. Just say, Lord, I want to go all in with you. And you'll know what the next step you need to take is. Could be reading a Bible. Could be buying a Bible. Could be filling out a card and just letting us know that this is your first time to receive Jesus. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, this is how we do it here at Brave. I want to walk with you through that journey. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'm not going to say a prayer and then say you're saved. I want to walk through this life with you. We, our staff, we're here. We want to help you understand the Word of God. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure that you're helped making the right steps and where to go next. And We understand. We've given our life to Jesus, and we know that it takes a person by your side to walk through you in this journey. No question about it, though. The first step is faith. And you could do that right now in the seat or where you're watching. You just say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. And we believe just by telling him that, his grace covers you. It's an amazing grace. But don't go at that alone. We want to walk through that journey with you. So fill out a card. Let us know that you're making a decision to follow Jesus today. Some way we'll call you or contact you, and we'll just walk with you in that journey to help you make the best decisions that you can going forward for you and your family. Just know that you're loved today. Would you just know that you're loved today? You're loved by the Lord. You're loved by His people, and we love you today. Father, thank you for this word. Jesus, I pray as we conclude this series that we would live all in for you, Lord. We want to give you our whole self, nothing but all of us, because you gave all of us, all of you to us. And so, Lord, we can only just rightly give you back all of us. It's that simple. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Sing a little louder. We'll sing a little louder.
Bye.